Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. You're listening to the sound of tiny robots. They don't look like anything out of Star Wars. Instead, imagine if a kid made a toy robot bird. There's a body and two wings. They flap up and down. If left alone, each robot would flap its wings but not move. But a bunch of them together in a circular encasement, even without communicating with each other, they can move as a unit across the table, nudging each other along. These are the sort of experiments going on at a lab at the Georgia Institute of Technology. And these little robots have a name, Smarticles. Researchers at Georgia Tech are learning how to control these Smarticle, or smart active particle systems, so that they function like a swarm of bees or colony of ants. Each individual operates in response to the same basic set of instructions, But when the swarm comes together, its members can carry out complex behaviors without any centralized direction. Georgia Tech computer scientist Dana Randall says she and her colleagues are trying to find the simplest computational model that will achieve these complicated tasks. One of our goals is when people look at collective robotic systems, they tend to take pretty smart robotic elements and put them together very smart and very expensive, (laughs) you know, elements, put them together and hope collectively they don't do anything that's too stupid. And we're kind of trying to do the opposite, which is take really dumb systems and put them together or dumb components and put them together and get them to collectively to do something much smarter than individually they'd ever be able to achieve. As one of the lead researchers on this project, Randall thinks about the problem in algorithmic terms. You have these autonomous, pretty dumb objects that are interacting in some way, and you want them collectively to achieve some task. So this is classic distributed algorithms. Agents can communicate with their immediate neighbors. They have limited memory. They have no global orientation. There's no leader initially. They all maybe have the same program and they're interacting and you want some outcome. You want to guarantee that some outcome will happen without some outside orchestration. This past November, Randall and her colleagues published an algorithm that ensures that an idealized particle swarm will move in a coordinated manner. The work with these robots is part of a broader interest in the feasibility and applications of self-organizing robots. Other examples include droplet-sized robots being developed at the University of Colorado, kilobot swarms at Harvard University, and swarmanoids out of a pioneering lab in Belgium. In many of these cases, the idea is to mimic nature, like the regimented motion of a decentralized colony of army ants, or the unconscious self-programming assembly of DNA molecules. Harvard researcher Melvin Gauchi is working on swarm robotics. You have to think about it in a distributed way, and that's one of the biggest challenges of designing these systems that we're naturally not really used to thinking in a distributed way. So typically we know what we want to happen from a system on a global level. We know what we want the collective to do. 
But in order to program them, we need to know what they must be doing on the individual level. And going between those two levels is what's very challenging. Daniel Goldman is a physicist at Georgia Tech who's leading the experiments with Smarticles. His fundamental scientific interest is in the physics of active granular materials that have the ability to change their own shape. In a slide deck he brings to conferences, he includes a clip from Spider-Man 3 that shows the birth of the supervillain Sandman. Loose grains of sand skitter across the desert and then congeal into the shape of a man. Smarticles are Goldman's way of testing active granular materials in a lab. Goldman says they give us a way to use geometry to control the properties of a material. Think of it this way. Have you ever seen those 3D optical illusions where you have to stare and blur your eyes and suddenly the image emerges? A collection of smarticles is kind of like that. Goldman says if you blur your eyes, you can think of the smarticle collection as a real material. The smarticles have short arms, like the prongs of a staple, that they can swing back and forth. They respond to light and tones of different frequencies. They can also be programmed to adjust the rate at which they swing their arms in response to the other smarticles they encounter in their immediate vicinity. There are a few basic maneuvers you might like a swarm of smarticles to perform. Compression, or packing together, expansion, or spreading out, and locomotion moving forward. These maneuvers could serve as building blocks for more complicated feats. But bear in mind, even the most basic functions, like compression, are hard to engineer when none of the smarticles have any idea where they're positioned in relation to the overall group. To understand the opportunity and the challenge of engineering complex behavior from simple parts, let's look at what an individual smarticle actually knows. The answer is short, not much. It can't see, it has limited memory. The only thing it knows about the other smarticles it's supposed to coordinate with is what it can learn from bumping into its immediate neighbors. It's kind of like flying blind, or as computer science grad student Joshua Daymood of Arizona State University describes it, it's like being at a rock concert with your eyes closed. Daymood also works on the Smarticles project. So how do you maneuver such a chaotic scene when you can't see anything and know so little? One strategy would be to appoint a leader that orchestrates the swarm. But that approach is vulnerable to disruption. If the leader goes down, the whole swarm goes down with it. Another strategy is to give each robot in the swarm a unique job to do. But that's impractical to implement on a large scale. Jeff Dusick is a researcher at Olin College of Engineering who's studied underwater robot swarms. You can imagine that individually programming a thousand robots is basically an impossible task. You know, you would never actually do anything. And that's even if all the code's the same. Now, if you were going to individually program a thousand robots with unique code, that's not feasible, right? But if you can upload the same set of code in parallel to every agent, you know, now now you're looking at something that, that is actually possible and, and relatively quick, and you can accomplish, you know, a lot of things. Dusik says this idea is inspired by biology and what happens in nature. I mean, you look at something like a termite mound is a really fantastic example, or um, ant colonies, or fish going. I mean, there's some great examples in biology where there's not a leader, or maybe the leader shifts, you know, depending on 
what's going on. But in general, it's everyone's just has some evolved set of rules and they just do it and cool things happen, you know. So let's look at this swarm. An algorithm used to program a swarm has two properties. First, it's distributed, meaning it runs separately on each individual particle in the system. Let's go back to Dusik's ant colony example. You can think of it like the way each army ant carries out the same simple set of instructions based on whatever it senses about its local environment. Second, the algorithm incorporates randomness. This means that if an army ant senses, say, five other army ants right around it, maybe there's a 20% chance it moves to the left and an 80% chance it moves to the right. This randomness is the opposite of deterministic algorithms, where each step is determined by what came before it. Randomness might seem undesirable in an algorithm. After all, when you implement a procedure, you'd typically like to know for sure the outcome. But randomness also conveys some surprising performance advantages that make randomized algorithms well-suited for smarticle swarms. In 2015, Goldman and Randall were discussing the possibility of finding rules that would lead Goldman smarticles to act coherently as a group. Randall realized that the swarm behaviors Goldman was after were similar to the behavior of idealized particle systems studied in computer science. For Randall, the smarticles' behavior resembled emergent phenomena modeled by computer scientists in many other contexts. She says one of the most famous examples is how segregated neighborhoods form. In the late 1960s, economist Thomas Schelling wanted to understand how housing segregation takes hold in the absence of any centralized power sorting people into neighborhoods by skin color. You have red and blue houses and people in red houses that are in a neighborhood of blue houses. If the majority is blue, they are more likely to want to move. So if they move, that house that had been blue might all of a sudden be red because someone new will move in. So Schelling literally moved around pennies and nickels on a chessboard to see what would happen. What he found is that depending on, I mean, he would word it differently, and it was before randomized algorithms existed, so he made deterministic moves. But if you make a randomized version, which just says that you're just more likely to want to move if you are unhappy with the demographics in your neighborhood and how much you want to move depends on how imbalanced your neighborhood is. What you'll find is that very quickly you get segregation. You get red houses clustered together and blue houses clustered together. Randall realized that smarticles in a swarm resemble people in the shelling model. In both cases, individuals have to make decisions without knowing their global position. They only know what they can see around them. And in Schelling's model, the decisions can be made with an element of randomness. If your neighbors look different from you, maybe there's a high probability you move, but also some small probability you choose to stay put. Computer scientist Dana Randall. It turns out that the kinds of techniques that we've been developing in computer science can actually explain a little bit why that happens. And, you know, you sort of have a tolerance for people up to a certain point, but as soon as your intolerance gets a little bit beyond some critical point, 
you will very quickly get to a state which is segregated. In 2016, Randall and her collaborators published a paper that imagined idealized particles living on a grid and deciding whether to move or stay put based on how many other particles they observed around them. The decision-making was probabilistic. Particles would essentially roll a weighted die every time they had to make a choice. Randall and her co-authors proved that if they weighted the die correctly, they were guaranteed to end up with a compressed swarm. This is the same way Schelling could have proved that if he set individuals' tolerance for diversity at the right level, segregation was unavoidable. By adjusting parameters in the algorithm, Randall and her colleagues could also guarantee that a particle swarm would move to an expanded state. The randomness in the algorithm helps particles in a swarm avoid getting stuck in locally compressed states. That's where lots of isolated subgroups are clustered together, but the swarm as a whole isn't compressed. The randomness ensures that if smarticles end up in small compressed groups, there's a chance individuals will still decide to move to a new location, keeping the process alive until an overall compressed state is reached. It takes just a little randomness to nudge particles out of locally compressed states. It takes a lot more to nudge them out of a globally compressed state. Proving that particles in a theoretical world can run a simple algorithm and achieve specific swarm behaviors is one thing. Actually implementing the algorithm with cheap, faulty, real-life smarticles clanking around in a box is another. Goldman says they're just in the beginning of coming up with ways to program smarticles. We are able to begin to bring to bear some of the ideas in computer science in which algorithms are used to program computers to begin to use algorithms to program matter in the real world. So what are the rules and what are the programs one would write to tell a group of smarticles to come together to move across a table or to come together to bunch up? This is really an intersection and a new intersection of physics, active matter physics, and computer science. One problem has been to get the smarticles to move as a group. At first, if the researchers packed smarticles into a confined space, the ensemble would just stagger around randomly, like a drunk guy stumbling down Bourbon Street. But one day, the physicists were observing this chaotic motion when the battery died in one of the smarticles. Goldman and his collaborators noticed that the swarm suddenly started moving in the direction of the inactive unit. The researchers reported this inadvertent finding to their computer science collaborators, who seized on the clue. The work led to the recent development of the algorithm that will always get an idealized swarm to move in a specified direction. Little by little, the computer science experiments and the physical ones are moving closer together, The researchers hope to eventually prove, theoretically, that a basic algorithm implemented in a distributed way in a large collection of small, cheap robots is guaranteed to produce a specified swarm behavior. And they hope to someday be able to discover more about the algorithms without having to wait for something random to happen. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Kevin Hartnett's full article, Smart Swarms Seek New Ways to Cooperate, on our website, quantummagazine.org. 
Also, the MIT Press is publishing two Quanta books, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire and The Prime Number Conspiracy. Order them now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore.